Oh, it was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, uh, welcome to Journey. Thank you guys for joining us today. We're excited to be able to continue our series of the songs of the season. As they were just singing that one here, you're going to be able to uh, continue that, uh, continue those lyrics going through your mind here this morning. Uh, but I just want to just uh, open up with a couple of announcements here this morning. Those of you that uh, have been here for the last few weeks, you know that we are uh, in the middle of our giving campaign, all right? And so we have a little slide up here uh, to, uh, well, actually it was, it's not the one I was thinking. But anyways, uh, we're still in the middle of our giving campaign. <coughs> and if you remember, uh, Matt's been talking about the different uh, areas that we're giving to. We're giving locally, we're internationally, and then also with a couple of our local partners here. Uh, through our Cypress project for church planting, and then Ada Jenkins and Caterpillar, we're really continuing to give there. So with the generosity that you guys are giving, we want to continue to pay that forward and be generous with those who we continue to partner with. So um, the I will just encourage you guys don't uh, don't keep waiting till the end of the, at the end of the month. If uh, if that is something that God's laying upon your heart, feel free to continue to allow those gifts to come in. Uh, freely, we would appreciate that so that we can be as generous as we can be uh, as well. So we are, we are doing the very same thing we're asking you to do is, too. So uh, also, if you're new to Journey, we value your questions. Uh, so we have live Q&A. We also are giving out our, the point. It's a new digital service that we have, a digital online um, media thing that we're doing right now. So we answer the questions there as well. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to look those up, make sure you go on the info.bar and check those out as well. Uh, but we want your questions, so we want to answer the questions that you're asking. So that is there for you to use. You can text us your questions, or you can email them to us as well, and uh, we'll do our very best to answer your questions. So thanks for giving those to you to us. Uh, it provides us the opportunity to also create sermon series in the future. So uh, you never know what your question's going to do. Uh, but with that being said, I always like to start my message with a word of prayer, so I invite you to join me in my word of prayer this morning. So let's pray. Dear God, we just uh, come before you right now, Lord. I thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak on your behalf. And so, God, I pray that the words that you've laid upon my heart, Lord, that they are truly uh, your words and not mine. And so, God, I pray that the power of your spirit would just be upon them. Lord, I pray that you would uh, glorify your name, that I would just declare your truths, Lord. And uh, whatever is true, God, just seal it up in our hearts. Whatever is false, just continue to just let it fall by the wayside. And God, today I just pray that the power of your spirit would be here and that you would be honored and that you'd be glorified uh, this morning. We just uh, surrender this to you. And uh, God, again, we just thank you for another day that we get to celebrate uh, your existence in this world and in our lives. And so may we just bring you all the glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, in case I didn't say it, I'm Donnie. I'm, by the way, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. So uh, if you're new to Journey and you don't know who I am, that's who I am. So glad to have you guys join us. All right. So we're uh, closing out a series called Songs of the Season. We've chosen three different songs throughout the season so far. Matt kicked it off two weeks ago uh, with... Um, uh, Okomo, not Okomo, that was last week. Uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain, that was the one. Uh, and then kind of gave you the history from both of those different songs and how they have been a part of our Christian heritage for years and, and years, and some of them centuries and centuries and millennia, actually. And so we encourage you to go back and listen to those. Um, 
today is a little bit uh, of the same thing, but it's, they aren't building upon each other. But I encourage you, if you weren't here, to go back and listen to them because they, they really were powerful and they really were great. And I don't have enough time to go through each of them. So you have to go back and listen to them because uh, I think that you'll be encouraged by what, you, what Matt shared with us those two, those two weeks. But the songs that we've been talking about, we've loosely tied them into the Advent season, all right? And so I say loosely because those of you that have been here long enough know that we aren't necessarily the most liturgical church in all the world, right? And so, but we do celebrate Advent and we try to, uh, we've tied in the different messages of peace and hope and love uh, throughout the time of the Advent season so far with these songs. And I encourage you today, we're going to be talking about the Prince of Peace uh, uh, we've got the Advent candle out there, the Advent wreath out in the lobby, so uh, we do celebrate some of the different liturgical things that other churches across the world uh, have done for years and centuries. But through this series, we hope that you've been able to see how uh, the traditions that we carry, the things that we do, the songs that we sing, it's, we aren't just up here singing songs, we aren't just carrying on traditions for no purpose. And there's a lot of history behind why it is we do what we do. In fact, the whole idea of Advent, all right? Uh, so as Matt's been talking about the last couple of weeks, we just want to remind you that this idea of Advent comes from the, the Latin word Adventus, all right? And it means literally this idea of expectant arrival, all right? And so we know that <clears throat> you can experience the Advent of just about anything, right? But this season, we're celebrating the that the arrival of the king, the, the Messiah, our savior. And so we've gone through different, um, the different songs so far to help you understand kind of this idea of what was it like for the Jewish people as they were expecting their Messiah, their savior to come into this world. And, and what did that really look like? And Matt shared with us a couple uh, different uh, prophecies out of the book of Isaiah, but they were written 700 years prior to the arrival of Christ to this earth. And that 700-year theme, you've heard that the first week and the second week, and you're going to hear it again this week, this idea of 700 years, and it, I hope it really comes alive for you today because it should. It, when we start thinking in realms of time like that, I hope that it really solidifies in your heart just how powerful of a tradition, just how powerful of a of a opportunity we have to be able to celebrate Christ the way we do and how long it's been going on with Christians just like us in cultures and in families that maybe look different than our current culture does right now but the traditions that we carry on have been being carried on for a long time and we get to continue to participate in some of those that our forefathers have done for hundreds and thousands of years, all right? And last week, I love the way Matt closed it. Uh, he said, the nativity is the good news of great joy and how far God is willing to restore our relationship with him. And that's the whole idea behind the message of Christ, is it's the message of the good news of Christ. And, and he talked about how O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in the story of Christmas last week, and how, he, how Christ lives among us. But the reason he lives among us, because God was willing to go to links that no other religion in the world is the God willing to do that. All the other religions in the world, as Matt was talking about last week, that, that we have to satisfy the gods. But in Christianity, God satisfied everything by sending himself 
to live among us. And so that is what this whole story about the, the nativity is all about. The whole idea about the advent, the whole idea about Christmas is this idea of Christ coming to live among us. And then we get to celebrate that. And we get to get excited about that. In the history of the world, the world is singing about that right now. And are we taking advantage of the opportunity to tell others about the hope of Christ in a perfect opportunity when God gives us all kinds of opportunity to share him with others around us just by simply listening to the songs on the radio, going into the stores. Like the world has literally been changed because of the birth of Christ. And so as we look at the Advent candle today, and the, 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 the Advent candle, the one that we're talking about today is the, the candle of peace. And what were the Jews waiting for as, we, as they were expecting this Messiah that was going to bring bring peace to the world. And what does that really look like, and how can we celebrate that today? Because did it arrive? Did, it, did it, he really bring what he said he was going to bring? And the song we're going to use today is the first Noel, as uh, Courtney and Shin just sang for us, is the, to celebrate Christ and this idea of the first Noel. And what does that really mean, and how can we, how can we use that to celebrate the advent of peace and the peace that Christ brings to us in this world. And so I don't know if you know anything about the, the, the song, The First Noel. I can tell you right now, I didn't know anything about it until I got the song given to me, and I was going to preach on it. I'm like, okay. So I got to dig into it and research a little bit about it, and I, I really started getting frustrated in the beginning because it was all over the place. Like, I don't know if you've ever studied The First Noel, but nobody agreed. Like, there was, I, was, I was going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. I spent hours trying to piece together some form of history, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go insane reading about this all right and so i'm i'm trying to put it all together and uh as i was doing that i'm like you know what i had this moment come upon me i'm like that's really got to be what non-christians look at christians like too like when you when we really think about this idea of christianity as as convoluted as the history of the first no, the song the first noel was if you look at the history of the church and if you look at the history of of what we say we do in the name of jesus to a non-Christian, to those who would say, you know, Christians are kind of messed up. You guys are crazy. Yeah. All right, we just have to be okay with that. We have, to be, we have to be honest with ourselves. And as I was researching this, I'm thinking, this must be the way people that don't believe in Christ look at us. They're like, you guys have some really weird beliefs. You guys don't even agree with yourselves. You don't even, you don't even get along. Yeah. And so when we do that, it, it made me have a different perspective as I continued my research to try and put together a message for you. Um, it gave me a little bit more sympathy for people and, and like, oh, you know, okay, this is a great opportunity to take this song and then use it as a way to help us to solidify our faith in who we believe in during this holiday season. Because I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times throughout my life where I personally have struggled with my faith. And I've, I've wondered, like, is God really who he says he is? And I've had to answer a lot of questions over that time. And so part of the Christmas season is really one of the biggest catalysts to some of that research that I've done over the years. All right, Matt kicked it off with uh, uh, one of the prophecies out of Isaiah. Uh, these prophecies are some of the greatest reasons. Now, ultimately, you're going to have to make a choice with what you do with Christ. But the prophecies that we have in the Old Testament really give us incredible um, 
an incredible foundation to be able to solidify our faith because these we have we have written record of when these were written about Christ like long before he ever came into this earth this is what Isaiah says in the chapter 9 for unto us a child is born to us a son is given the government and this is important for us when we're talking about the candle of peace in the advent season that we're talking about the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace keep going of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end this idea that the the what the Jewish people were waiting for, the Hebrew people were waiting for, they were waiting for a king to bring in this incredible government of peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There's, they were waiting for this advent of this, the arrival of this king, of this Messiah, who was going to bring in peace that was never going to come to an end. And this went on, this, this was given to them 700 years before their king was going to arrive. Now they didn't know they were going to have to wait 700 years when they first got this prophecy. But as time continued to go on, we know from retrospect that 700 years passed. Part of that 700 years, there was a time period where God didn't even talk to him at all. But we're going to continue to uncover the importance of this particular prophecy in light of another prophecy as well. But I just want to remind us, if you ever struggle with your faith, if you ever just doubt, or maybe not you, but maybe you have friends that just doubt God or doubt their faith, then I encourage you, use today's message and use the actually the last couple of weeks' messages to help solidify your faith and helping to explain to others this prince, this prince of peace that we're waiting for, this Messiah that we were waiting for, all right? Because what we have to understand is the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus is like no other birth in the recorded history of mankind, okay? The birth that we celebrate in Jesus, at, at bare minimum, if you, if you don't even think that Jesus is real, all right, just start with the fact that the birth of Jesus is like no other birth in the recorded history of mankind. No other Jesus is sung about. No other, no other birth is celebrated the way that the birth of Jesus is. No other birth has changed cultures and nations for millennia like the birth of Jesus. Right? So that's just something that we have to that the world cannot deny. Right? Even the calendar was dated around the idea of the birth of Christ, AD and BC. And now, obviously, because of some of the world that we live in, they want to try and change that, and they're, they're trying to make different things so it's more politically correct and all that garbage and nonsense. That's fine, whatever. But just acknowledge the fact that the reason they're doing that is because they don't want to give credit to the fact that Jesus changed the world. Jesus' birth has changed the world. So much so that, we have to, that we're trying to erase his his presence out of it but the more we try i guarantee you the harder they're going to have a problem with it because then you just keep spreading the more you try to erase his presence the more he's just there and we sing about him all through the stores and everywhere we go right now 
And it is a beautiful opportunity to be able to celebrate this idea of our heritage, of our faith, of this Advent season. So in my personal faith, I know that uh, the Jewish people have really helped, um, I'll just say, solidify my doubts, all right? And over the years, as I've had doubts, uh, I just try to study the Jewish people. Because if you think about someone that needed to doubt God at his word, it would have been the Jewish people. And I don't know if you know much about the Jewish people, but they were called the people of the book. They recorded everything. They were, they were a very powerless people throughout the years, um, but they, they also were very intelligent people, and they recorded everything. And we have all kinds of archaeological evidence that helps us be able to study what it is that they wrote and, and what they believed and how they believed. And we have the scriptures and, and, and incredible, complete context um, so we can study what it is that they taught and how they lived. So when I begin to doubt, I look at what did they do to be able to solidify their own faith in the midst of some horrible atrocities, all right? So another passage that solidified the, the Jewish people's faith came out of the book of Micah, all right? So Micah was a contemporary with Isaiah, a contemporary meaning they lived together at the same time. Uh, but he said this, this is Micah chapter 5, it says, but you, Bethlehem Epaphrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Here's that idea again, this idea that the, the Jewish people were waiting for a new king, a new ruler, a new, a new person who's going to lift them out of their mire and put them back on the map, and they're going to be, they're going to finally achieve that level that they've always read about, and back to the time of King David and King Solomon, whose origins are from of old, from the ancient times. Keep going. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. Think, uh, nope, stop, go back to that one real quick. This is really important right here. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. Okay, this idea of 700 years, this particular passage in Micah actually even talks about the 400 years. It's called an intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Micah was preparing the Jewish people for a period of time where there was going to be complete silence on behalf of God. And until Jesus was born, there was utter silence to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people had to maintain their faith during this time. All right, now keep going. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This idea of a Savior coming to, to give them uh, incredible peace, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that has no end, that whose reach is going to go beyond all nations. This is what was promised to the Jewish people. And then in this particular passage, Micah even promises, but you're going to be abandoned by God, and it's going to feel empty, all right? And so I, I, I just want us to capitalize on that moment for a second, because if you're, if, you're, if you're like me, and if you're not like me, and you have incredible faith, and, and you never doubt God, praise be to Jesus, God bless you, all right? But there's a lot of people that don't believe Jesus, and there's a lot of people that do doubt God, and I want to encourage you, all right? And so... That was the Jewish people. There was a lot of doubts. There was a lot of questions. There was a lot of frustration in this 700-year this period of time. 
uh, could really come into, I think, it, it, it solidifies it for me if I put like a little word picture to it to help, help myself understand what were the Jewish people really experiencing during that time of waiting. And so I want to put 700 years into perspective, okay? Just for us as Americans here, uh, 700 years in perspective. 700 years ago, there would be no America, right? If we go back 700 years, there's no Christopher Columbus. We go back 700 years, there's not even the Protestant Reformation yet. And if you don't know what the Protestant Reformation is, go do some church history when we're done here today. All right? There's not even the Protestant Reformation. We go back 700 years, there's two churches, Catholic or Orthodox. That's all you got. And in your village, there's one church. You don't get options. You don't get to get mad. You don't get to go pick which one you think the pastor delivers a better message at. All right? You got one choice, the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, and that's depending on which country you live in. But the cool thing about 700 years ago is that the followers of Christ, just like you and I today, they were still singing some of the same songs. They were still celebrating this birth of their Savior, Jesus Christ. They were still celebrating this message of hope, though maybe it was medieval times and there were some slaughterings going on right then at the time that really kind of give Jesus a bad name. But 700 years for us takes us back to a whole different time and period of life. But to the Jewish people, 700 years meant silence from God as well. And what we have after Christ is we have the Holy Spirit. But for 700 years for the Jewish people, they had not a word. They didn't, they didn't have a feeling from God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't get the goosebumps that we get when we sing about God. They didn't, get, they didn't, have, a, they didn't have anything coming from God during that 400-year period of time. All they had, he, hear me on this, this is what blows my mind. All they had were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law and the religious keepers of the law reminding them of these vague promises in Isaiah and Micah. Hold on, people, our Messiah is coming. Hold on, people. Our promised Savior is coming. We know that God has been silent for 400 years. Okay, during that 400 years, obviously there's a, there's a passing of the baton from the next generation of leaders to the next. But yet there is continued silence. All they had was the written promises of God. It's much like what we have, our written promises, that God will return again. I, don't, I mean, we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Now God said he's going to return. We're waiting for his return. All right? The same that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I know how hard it is as a pastor to get people to hold on to the excitement of Jesus returning someday. It's like, yeah, it's been 2,000 years, buddy. All right, get excited, right? Okay, so, but it, the reality is God's returning. He's going to return. We we stake our faith on it. But the Jewish people also put their faith in the fact that their Messiah was coming. The advent of their, their Messiah was going to come to this earth. 
that they were going to have a king that was going to establish a nation whose government was going to have no end. These religious leaders and these Pharisees, I find them absolutely fascinating because they had to keep a people group together whose land had been pillaged and torn apart, who kept getting captive from other countries. They had no power. And yet these religious leaders had to encourage the people to hold true to the truths of what their God said he was going to do. And so during that time period, I don't know if you, uh, you realize this, but talk about preserving a dying faith. Like they, These Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders had a massive job to do. And so then along come the rumors of this new baby being born, and he's going to be the Messiah? I don't know if you know this or not, but if you study Jewish culture and you study Jewish history, history that by this point in time, when Jesus was finally born, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders, they had already silenced and squashed multiple accounts of previous messiahs being born. There had been previous records of Jesus's and messiahs claiming that they were the chosen ones. And they had to squelch those rumors. And so they had had this given to them. They knew the process that, it would, that was taken in order to silence these falsities and these false claims. And so it had been passed on to these leaders to be able to silence all these, all these wrong teachings. And now all of a sudden, these shepherds that we just talked about that, that just saw the first Noel... And they saw the star in the sky. Now these shepherds are singing about another one. Oh boy, here we go again. Don't you guys know God's been silent for 400 years and now you think some baby born in a stable? And so they, they fought to keep it under wraps because they were holding true to the word of God. But yet they were eagerly expecting their Messiah and then they missed it. Because unlike all the other Jesuses, unlike all the other Messiahs before Jesus, unlike all the other rumors that they had to silence, this one was real. This time it was real. But when you start putting yourself in their shoes for those 700 years, maybe we start having a little bit more sympathy and respect and admiration for what they had to hold together until that time. Maybe it also makes it come alive a little bit more of how big of a celebration it should have been that they literally could have welcomed in the king of the world. What a beautiful opportunity. That's what this, I, this song, this first Noel is all about. It's the birth of our king. We don't, we don't just sing songs about other Jesuses. We sing song about the Jesus, the Emmanuel, the Messiah, the Savior. You see, because in the history of mankind, no other Jesus has Christmas carols sung about him for the last two millennia. There's no other recorded Messiah. There's no other recorded leader in the history of the world that has the number of songs sung about him that Jesus has sung about him. There was something different about this first Noel 2,000 years ago. 
And we get to be a part of that. We get to celebrate that. Let me tell you what else happened about 700 years ago. You keep thinking about this 700 years. The song that we're singing, the first Noel, that's when we think that that song was written, about 700 years ago. It would have been being sung in the camps, in the medieval camps, all right? And so I just find that fascinating, that the song that we're singing today in 2021 in Huntersville, North Carolina, our predecessors back in the the tents and villages of the medieval times were singing some of the same songs and same lyrics. Isn't that cool? Does nobody else think that's cool? Like, doesn't that just like make my, make your mind blown just a little bit? Like, we're singing the same songs we've been singing for hundreds of years. That was one of the things I could actually find from the history of the song that everybody agreed upon. It was actually recorded into the, the books in 1817, but we have record of the song and the lyrics long before then. In fact, uh, what, we, what we know from this song, all right, what we know about the song, the first Noel, is that Noel is the, the, word, the French word that means Christmas. And it's derived from the Latin word natalis, which means birthday. And so it's literally the celebration of the birthday of Christ. It is the birth of Christ that we're celebrating in the first Noel. All right? And so Joyo, I don't even know how to say it. I'm not French. So if, you, if any of you speak French, you can say it. Uh, but it equals the joy of Christmas. It's the joy of Christ's birth. All right? That's what the first Noel is all about. It's the joy of Christ's birth. And when we sing about it, that's what they were singing about 700 years ago, just like you and I are singing about it in 2021. Isn't that cool? That's the history of, of the, that song going way back. And the, the reason why they know that is because based upon the prose and the meter and, and all these other literary terms that I don't quite understand, um, that's where they date the song back to because we have the original, or what we think are some of the original lyrics of the song. And that's how they date it back all the way to the medieval times uh, being originally sung in Latin. So what can we, though, as a church in 2021, take away from our, 2000, or our medieval predecessors singing the same song? What can we do with that? The cool thing is, is that we are celebrating the same Christ. We're celebrating the same birth. We're celebrating the same day of excitement of this Advent season that the, that the Savior came to this earth in the form of a baby to literally change the world and to change our lives. And we get to celebrate that. We get to declare his truths to the world around us just like all of our, all of our forefathers did. Now, the reality though that we, have to, that we have to own, we just have to be okay with this, is that we argue and we fight and we have fought wars and we have killed thousands in the name of Jesus, protecting his heritage, just like the Pharisees did to protect Christ's message, the, the scriptures before Christ came to this earth, right? Just like the Pharisees killed hundreds and thousands of people, right? We as good evangelical Christians, we have a sordid history. We don't have a squeaky clean record. That's kind of what history does. But what we have to ask ourselves is, does it change our message? Does our history change the message that we're supposed to be proclaiming? 
Or does it simply make it convoluted and confusing like the history of the first Noel, the song? So what I want to challenge you to do is when you start studying history, all right, this is, this is something that's helped me throughout my time in, in questioning or doubting God. When you start studying the history of the church, study the movement of God in spite of the atrocities of man trying to explain him. Study the movement of God across the period of time, across the history of mankind, his story of mankind. Study his movements, not man's movement. Because when we focus on us, when we focus on man, it's really, it's really easy to get frustrated with the church. It's really easy to get frustrated with God because we're focusing on the wrong person. We're focusing on our involvement with them instead of his involvement with us. You see, when we focus upon him and what he's done, it makes, the his, it makes his story come alive in an incredible pa- in a fashion. It changes the perspective because it's all about the way in which we're looking at it. We're changing the way we're viewing his interaction with humans over the last millennia. And when we do that, it should change the way that we view him, right? So, because if not, then we're just going to have a muddy mess of chaos and death, destruction, fighting, bitterness, and resentment, right? Because that's what man does to God. But God loves us in spite of all of that. It's just, it's so, when I start looking at the history of mankind and doing that, it just totally changes the way I view God. So I hope it does you too. But if it doesn't, we're going to continue to go on with the song because uh, when I started researching the song, the lyrics continued to unveil uh, what the early church would have been singing about. And uh, we don't sing the same lyrics anymore. Uh, At least I haven't ever heard them sung this way either until I read it. Uh, The first two verses of the song are very much like the two that we sing now uh, nowadays as well. But I want to read to you the, the other three stanzas of the song as well. Okay? Uh, and if you don't know what a stanza is of the, the choruses, you guys weren't raised in good, good old church when you open up the hymn book and then the song leader says, we're going to sing, and I don't know if you, as a kid, it always was like, we're going to sing all five? <laughs> oh, no. Good old faithful Sally, she's going to belt it out like she can sing. So... But this, oh boy, here we go again, all right? So that's the way we kind of view these songs, but in reality, they're recorded history. They're a recorded history of the birth of Christ. And this is what, this is, this is, these are the lyrics of the first Noel. And by the light of that same star, the ones that Shin and, and Courtney were singing about, by the light of that same star, three wise men came from country far. To seek for a king was their intent. They were seeking a king that they were going to crown, the same king that the, that the Jews were waiting for. Now these kings from another country are, are looking for him as well. And to follow the star wherever it went. Keep going. The star drew nigh to the northwest or Bethlehem. It took its rest. And there it did both stop and stay right o'er the place where Jesus lay. Now, this is an astronomical terminology thing right there, where the star actually stopped right over top of Bethlehem. But anyways, keep going on. Then entered in those wise men three, full reverently upon the knee, and offered there in his presence their gold and myrrh and frankincense. And these are gifts given to a king. And when our early church would have been singing those songs, they would have realized the implications and the importance of of these three wise men coming in and declaring a king. And if you wonder what, 
where in Micah, uh, when it comes to fulfillment in the scriptures, the prophecy that we have revealed in Micah chapter 5, it comes to light in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I don't have time to read it all, but in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, it's the story of where the, the three magi, or the magi, there's there are probably there could have been three of the Magi, but they would have had a whole entourage with them. Okay, there would have been a lot more people than just three of them with them. But there might have been three actual learned men who were the ones that were leading the way. All right, and so that's where we get the number three from. Although it wasn't just three guys that were a part of this. All right, and so anyways, <clears throat> in Matt, in Matthew chapter two verses one through twelve, this is where we have Micah coming alive. All right, this is where the fulfillment of Micah is is revealed to you and I today. So if we ever question, like, how do we know that these prophecies even came alive and even are are real? Uh, in verse chapter five of of Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, it says, In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so we know from even the leaders of the day, this is when, this is when King Herod is questioning his own people. How do I know what these three men are saying are real? How do I know what they are saying is true? What do, what do the scriptures say? And they quote Micah to him. Right? And so that's how we know that the Jewish people were holding on to these little bits of prophecies for 700 years. They knew exactly what they were looking for. They knew exactly who these wise men were. They knew exactly what these wise men were there to do. In fact, if you keep reading that passage, it says that the whole nation was disturbed that these three wise men had even come. All right? And I don't know if you were here a few years ago, and I don't have time to go back and preach the message, but I did a whole sermon on, on these wise men and what their presence in the, in the area meant and, uh, and where they were from and the Persian Empire and all that. you got to go back and listen to that if you want to know more of the history there because that's, I don't have time to go through it all. There's, you can study astronomy, and you can even identify and recreate the star that they were most likely following. Uh, we have all kinds of tools now to be able to recreate those night skies. All you got to do if you are into astronomy, get one of your tools and study, the, study Jupiter and Venus over Bethlehem during the years of 6 to 2 BC. All right? You can do that on your own if you really question God. All right, there is, there is so much out there that makes the scriptures come alive, it is unbelievable. But you still have to choose what you're going to do with Jesus. So no matter what you do with the history of the Magi, no matter what you do with astronomy, no matter what you do with, with the songs that we sing, if you realize that these Magi that came in to offer their, their gifts, they were declaring Jesus Christ King. That is what they were doing. Regardless of what you do with them, you have to understand that when our early forefathers were singing about the first Noel, they knew the importance of the Magi giving their gifts to Jesus. They declared that Jesus was the king that the Jewish people had been waiting for. That is what we sing about. That is what we celebrate. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies that were given to the Jewish people. Now, 
what are you going to do with that? How does that change the way you worship God? I don't know. I know that the early church understood that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Unfortunately for us, and many people, uh, especially in the Western world, we sing these songs like they're little fictitious carols, like they're little children's stories that we just sing about. But the reality is these songs that we carry on and, have, and continue to sing for millennia, they're recorded history. The recorded history of the actual events that occurred in a people group that lived before us. But they lived out the history of our Savior being born. And this recorded history of the first Noel is truly the birth of our King, of our Savior, who literally changed the world and continues to change the world. So why do we celebrate the way we do? Why do we believe what we believe? Because we genuinely believe that the first Noel, the birthday of the king, changed the world. That There's no other explanation. Now you still, no matter, no matter how much evidence, no matter how much science you can study, you still have to come to Christ with your own faith. Because it doesn't matter how much is there to research. It doesn't matter how much we can study. You still have to deal with the fact of the yeah, but, and what am I going to do with him? Because just like the Magi worshipped Jesus, just like they gave their gifts, they declared him king, Christ challenges us to do the same thing in our life. Will you declare him king of your life? Will you declare him the king of this world? Will you sing the first Noel like you are truly celebrating the Savior of this world? Or will you get all caught up just like the Jews did? The reason why they missed it is because he didn't bring the peace-filled kingdom they thought he was supposed to bring. You see, the Jews are still looking for a king and a Messiah that's going to bring Israel to prominence. And Christ said, I didn't bring a physical kingdom, I brought a spiritual kingdom. A kingdom filled full of peace. And that peace, he says, lives inside of us. Now, we as a church, we've done multiple sermon series on that peace that God provides. You've got to go back and listen to some of them as well. But the reality is, is Jesus brings us a kingdom of peace internally, of which no one can take it away from you. But the reason why the Jewish people still continue to miss the Messiah is because they're looking for external peace. And quite frankly, that's oftentimes why we miss him yet today. is because we want him to fix all of our problems instead of trusting him in the midst of our problems. And there's a vast difference in the way that we look at him when that, when that happens. But if you began to start looking at your own life, not just the history of the world, but if you just began to look at your own life and how God wants to intercede in your life, in the midst of the hard times, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the chaos of your own life, God wants to walk with you in all of it and bring you a peace untold. That's why he is the prince of peace. That's what he offers to each of us. We just have to decide if that's how we're going to worship him. 
Are we going to let him be the king of our lives? It's a choice that he gives to each one of us. And as a church, we want you to make that choice as well. So I want to challenge you with one last little challenge here this morning. Will you celebrate your Savior's birth like it was truly the first Noel, the birthday of your king? Will you celebrate Christmas this week like that? Christmas is just around the corner. And on, on, that, on that morning, I don't know what all your traditions are, but will you make sure that you don't lose sight of the fact that it is all about Jesus? It's all about what he brings to this earth. It's all about the fact that he is the greatest gift to mankind. And will you celebrate him like that? Will you, will you help other people understand how important that decision is in their own life? Will you speak boldly about him? There's no easier time to talk about Jesus than at Christmas. His name's in the word. We just got to take a moment and celebrate him like like he is genuinely who he says he is. If we do that, I guarantee you, your life will begin to experience him in a whole new way. So again, like I said at the beginning, if you're, if you're struggling with just believing Jesus for who he says he is, I hope that today's message is just a little bit of an encouragement to you that he is exactly who he says he is. He's more than even who he says he is. But will you take this season to solidify it in your own heart and soul and mind? Let's pray. I want to make sure, though, at this time, I can't, I I don't want to pass up an opportunity like this. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing a message like this, and you're like, you know what? I have rejected God my entire life. Um, I don't believe in him, and I haven't. If that's you here this morning, and you're like, you know what? I want to I believe in Jesus. I want to make this my first time. I've surrendered to him and made him king. If that's you here this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ this morning. So if that's you, just go ahead and slip your hand up this morning and if, saying, I want to I give my life to Jesus. I want to make him my king. Go ahead and slip your hand up if that's you this morning. then I want to encourage the rest of us that we have an opportunity to solidify in our hearts our trust, our faith in our Savior, in our King. Let's do that this morning. Dear God, we just come before you right now. I thank you so much for this day that you have given to us. I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the the song, The First Noel, and the message that has been been being sung for over 700 years, declaring your glory upon this earth, your birth to this world. And so God, I pray that in each one of our hearts here today, Lord, if there's someone here that hasn't given their life to you, God, I pray that today is the day where they're like, you know what, I'm just done messing around. I I wanna make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And Lord, for those of us that have made that decision, God, I just pray that you just continue to seal up in our hearts the decisions that we have made, the fact that we have put our faith and trust in the Savior of this world. God, give us boldness to be able to tell others about this incredible gift. God, I pray that you just give each one of us opportunities. As we go from here this week, Lord, 
Give us the awareness to know when you're giving us opportunities to tell others about the love that you have for them. God, forgive us for the times that we don't, that we don't capitalize on those moments. And God, forgive us for the times where we doubt them ourselves. But God, I pray that you would just help us to be the greatest reflection of your light into this world that we possibly can be. So God, we give you all the glory and all the honor here today. In your name we pray.